0: Hello and welcome back to Little MB. Uh, I'm going to skip over the workout stuff today. Um, this is going to be another segment of the didn't see that one coming This will be the second episode of that. Uh, <coughs> the reason being is I think I've actually got some interest in other blind folks coming on here or visually impaired. And Talking about stuff that they do and things they've had to go through, things of that nature. I'm really stoked about some of them. One guy's a carpenter, and there's this little gal that's in uh, plays. She does plays, singing and dancing with the chor- uh, choreography, I guess you call it choreography. But uh, <laughs> which just baffles me just baffles me, you know, just amazing to me, but, so, so other people get an idea, like some of the blind folks, visually impaired, I'm just going to call it blind folks, you know, I don't want to have to say blind or visually impaired and legally, I don't want to go through the list, so sorry if that offends you, but, so, for uh, me, it's not just, You know, the first one I did, if you go back and listen to it, it's about issues I had with relationships. Because sometimes it's hard, especially if you're a man. It's not that women don't have this issue, because I know you blind women do. But especially if you're a blind man, it's hard to find a good woman. Typically, most of the women that I have had for girlfriends in my life have thought my disability meant they could do what they wanted because i'd just be happy i had a girlfriend you know so if you go back and listen to the first one keep that in mind you know um one of the things like what i'm going to be talking about today is the fact that i was born with a deteriorating eye disease Uh, For those who know about such things, it's called cone-rod dystrophy. So, there's also a rod-cone dystrophy. Differences with cone-rod dystrophy, your cones are the worst. You lose that first before the rods, or at least faster than the rods, and rod-cone dystrophy is the exact opposite. So, for those who do not know anything about eyes and how they work. Your cones are your central vision, and it's what you use to see color and things of that nature. Your rods are peripheral vision, nighttime vision, uh, black and white vision. Cones are for the daytime. So that's why, for those of you that grew up with me, that's why my eyes tilted. They automatically adjusted to the fact I couldn't see anything directly in front of me. And that's why if you saw me walking down the street or back when I was dumb enough to actually be riding a bicycle, uh, you'd see me with my head turned to the side so I could use what little peripheral vision I had to see where I was going. Now the problem with the deteriorating eye disease is you don't really know as a parent. My parents had no idea what was going on. I had no idea. It's looking back that I realized how bad my eyesight was, even at a young age. For instance, when I was four years old and in nursery school, uh, it was at Miss Tish's house. And when nursery school was over, everybody, she lived on a circle drive. So cars were parked around the circle and all the kids would run out and go to the cars. I I didn't understand that they could see where they were going. I would run out into the middle of the yard. I'd be in the middle of the yard before I could like pick out where my mom was parked. And I can even remember there were times she had to yell at me because I couldn't see where the Bronco was parked at the time. So it's looking back on stuff like that. And realizing, wow, I couldn't see very good even then, you know. But not knowing I had a vision problem, I learned how to do a lot of things as far as being able to run with other kids and play with other kids and stuff like that. I, I don't know. Uh, one thing, if a group of kids, like Miss Tish, she lived next, door, next to the uh, public park. And so when on the days we got to go to the park I didn't lead I would run behind everybody else and try to keep somebody in my eyesight and just follow them and it's what I did all the time the one time I can remember not doing that and <laughs> we were playing tag and the thing is it was after I was diagnosed as being legally blind I was seven when I got diagnosed as legally blind, but it still didn't sink in with me because I could do most things other kids could do. But at Thomas Jefferson in Peoria, they had a big field that was part of the playground. They had a big paved... It was, it was the coolest playground ever. The, the paved part had its basketball hoops, but it actually had a blacktop section that had... The map of the United States. Which was pretty cool for playing tag. Having a home base and stuff like that. It had a huge teepee. Made out of logs or old telephone poles. And it just had this really cool fort. You know where you could climb tires up the side of it. And it had a little zip line. and It's just coolest playground ever. But they had this open field. And we were playing tag. Or something like. Yeah we were playing tag. And so this dude named Jawan and yeah I can actually remember back 33 years to all this but so Jawan's chasing me and I'm just picking him up and setting them down just sprinting well they had lightning rods out in the middle of this field with guy wires needless to say I did not see the guy wire and One of the lunch ladies thought I killed myself. She thought I literally hung myself because when I hit this thing, it went from my left hip all the way up to my right shoulder. And my feet went out from under me and I landed on my shoulders and freaking head. You know, that's how hard I hit it. I had an imprint of that guy wire for three days going up the front of me and i i don't know it was kind of funny because like i said joan's chasing me and i'm just sitting there gasping because you know it hit part of my neck too you know and he's like oh you all right man and i said i think so and he said oh all right And then he smacked my arm and goes you're it <laughs> and takes off but you know i it just didn't sink in with me, even though they had diagnosed me as legally blind. I had no idea. You know, the whole reason I was at that school was learning Braille. But I could, at that time, I adapted. I adapted. I knew how to tilt my head. We'd play kickback with a kickball. And I knew how to tilt my head to catch the ball out of the corner of my eye. And don't get me wrong, it's not like I was the best. It kicked back, but, you know, I was able to function well enough to be able to play it, you know. So it was just really hard to pick up on the fact that I couldn't see as well. I know that sounds strange, but I had fast reflexes as well. Kind of have to when you're running around doing stuff that one would say you shouldn't be doing if you're visually impaired. But it's not just a learning curve for the kid, it's a learning curve for the parents. Because when you see your kid running around with the other kids and doing all these things, you're going to think, he ain't got a vision problem, he does things a little bit different. You know, he's never in front of the pack when they're running, but he hangs with them and, you know, when they jump, he jumps and, you know, so it it, it was just hard for them. And they feel so guilty about some of this stuff. I loved baseball. I love baseball. And for those of you who are listening, like I said, the blind folks who are listening to get an idea about this segment. I want to hear about the cool crap you can do. You know? (laughs) I may do another one of these where I talk about the stuff I've done as far as, you know, chopping down trees with an axe and logging it with a saw and using a chainsaw and plumbing, stuff like that. But part of it, part of this for me is letting people know the things we had to deal with too, you know? And. You don't, if I bring you on here, you don't have to get it all done in one day. You know, could bring you on for a part two and, you know, first time talk about the stuff that you do that's awesome, and next time talk about the stuff that you did that was hard, things you had to deal with as far as being in school with other kids that didn't understand, things like that, you know. But So I love baseball, and my brother played baseball. He was five years older than me, and... So when I was six, I got to play Little League. And it, it seemed like I was doing all right. And I still like to give Chad Walker. He was on that team with me. Um, I, I got friends today that were on that team with me. And it's hilarious because I get to give them crap because of my fast reflexes. I actually got two home runs and they didn't get any. So it's kind of fun to be able to rub that in. <laughs> but I I was a huge Cubs fan. But I was always one of those people, even at six years old, who recognized talent. I don't know how many people remember the Cubs in the 80s and Sean Dunstan. But Sean Dunstan, the shortstop for the Cubs, he said himself they had one of those deals where they brought on an old player to help announce a game from time to time on ESPN, something like that. And he, he flat out said that he gives Mark Grace a hard time, and he says, I'm the reason you got that golden glove. And it's the truth, because he tried to be like Ozzie Smith. I loved Ozzie Smith. He was a Cardinal, and you aren't supposed to like Cardinal players if you're a Cub fan, but I loved Ozzie Smith. John Smoltz, pitcher for the Braves. Just amazing. So I thought that watching Ozzy Smith, you were supposed to catch the ball off to the side and not be in front of the ball and stuff like that because he made all those fancy plays. And I didn't think it was being fancy. I just, you know, thought that's what you did. And I can remember. The last game I actually got to play. Last game I got to play. Because I'd catch the ball out of the corner of my eye. And try to trail the ball. And then try to catch from the side. Because I could not see directly in front of me. So I'm sure I'm remembering myself being a little bit better than what I actually was. Considering I had the coordination of a six-year-old. But I, I remember... First inning, being out, shallow outfield, you know, basically infield. And this lazy fly ball gets hit to me. I catch it out of the corner of my eye, and I'm kind of sidestepping and go to catch it off to my left side. The ball goes off the end of my wickets, right off the end of it. That's just like, oh, crap. Pick the ball up, throw it to the infield. I come off the field. Keep in mind, learning curve for my parents. Because this is going to make my son, dad sound like some kind of dickhead. And he, was, he just didn't understand. You know, he, At this point, I wasn't diagnosed. We didn't know I had zero central vision. So I come off the field, and he'd been watching me do this all season. And he was sick of it. He says, from now on, you get in front of that ball you don't get in front of that ball again and try some of that fancy crap and you ain't going to play again. You know, he's trying to teach me the basic fundamentals of baseball. You know, which is a good thing. So, rest of the game, I got in front of the ball. I don't know if you remember the movie Happy Gilmore, the day after his hockey tryouts, when he goes to the batting cages and... Puts in his money and he says, 365 days till next hockey tryouts. Gotta toughen up. And he stands on home plate in front of the pitching machine and just starts getting drilled. I came home from that game with bruises from my neck to my waist because I started getting in front of the ball and I couldn't see it. You know, I can remember coming home and my dad saying, Go upstairs and change and find something to do so I go up and change and when I come back down I'm catching the end of the conversation between my mom and dad and he's he's saying now Lynn the boy needs glasses by the end of the game he was just standing in the outfield with his glove in front of his face and his free hand gripping his crotch (laughs) I was just trying to protect myself and, needless to say, that was the last year I got to play baseball. So, next step was soccer. I got to play soccer when I was 7 and 8 years old. And, it was a logical idea. He can't see very well. Bigger ball. He'll be able to do this. And, there were, nothing really happened when I was 7. And... When I was seven is when I got diagnosed as being legally blind. Originally, I was at the Children's Jewish Hospital in St. Louis, Missouri. And he diagnosed me with macular degeneration, which is just extremely rare for a kid that young to have something like that. Well, my sister was born messed up. When she was born, the doctors really messed her up bad, so she's severely handicapped. Then my brother was fine, perfect, good-looking kid, perfect eyesight, you know, extremely smart and all this stuff. The last thing my mom wanted to hear was that her youngest was going blind, last thing she wanted to hear. So we go to Iowa for a second opinion, and it's like, well, no, he doesn't have macular degeneration, he's got cone rod dystrophy, which is similar but it's even more rare for anybody to have, much less somebody his age. And so they, they still did not get the concept of no central vision. Once again, I had fast reflexes. I did a lot of stuff I shouldn't have been able to do. Well, seven years old, that that season went all right. I mean, granted, I was on a crappy team, whatever. When I was eight, I was as well. Now, my last game of soccer, I was on defense. I I wasn't on offense. And one of my best friends, and I am going to call him out by name, but one of my best friends at the time, I had three of them, Dominic Lang, John Bremner, and Justin Rhodes. Well, I'm playing Justin's team. I don't know why Justin didn't stick with soccer, because when he was eight years old, he was like a little blonde-haired, blue-eyed freaking Pele. I mean, he was one of those rare eight-year-olds who actually had coordination. He could sprint down the soccer field dribbling the ball. I mean, he had skill at eight years old. So I'm on defense. All of a sudden, there's a break on the other end of the field. I'm looking off to the side. You know, it looks like I'm not paying attention because my head's turned to the side. But it's so I can use my peripheral vision to see. I don't even know that this is why I'm doing it. I mean, you got to understand that. I don't even know that's why I'm doing this. But either way, here comes Justin, breaks through. and I mean, it, it, it was just so, so despicable. I mean, it, it looked like the men's U.S. soccer team playing some special Olympic team. He's just weaving in and out of people, sprinting, dribbling the ball. My teammates are tripping over each other and falling on each other on the ground. I mean, it's, it's just disgusting look. So here he comes, my dad's on the sideline, he's like, get ready, here he comes, you know, yelling at me and stuff. So I square up and I'm ready, and all of a sudden you hear a doosh and a smack. The doosh was him booting the ball, the smack was every square inch of my face getting covered by that ball. Now initially, there was a little bit of shock. There was enough of a pause before I was able to start crying. My dad said, you're fine, walk it off. And I did. I am so proud of myself, I did. Eight years old, smacked in the face like that with a ball. I walked it off. Two minutes later, it was like an ESPN instant replay. Here comes Justin weaving in and out of my teammates, dribbling the ball, just running hell for leather. Once again, my teammates look like they're playing Dogpile on the Wabbit in the Bugs Bunny cartoon. They're just falling on each other. Same freaking thing. Do, Smack! That time, it's nothing I'd have said, obviously, at eight years old to my dad. I wouldn't have said it at... I wouldn't say it now. But in my mind, it's like, F you, Dad. I just started crying like a little girl. Just instantly start crying. So I get pulled out of the game until I can compose myself. Now, I don't know if this speaks to how bad my team was... Or just the fact that I was better than most of them at soccer. Or if my coach was just that big of an idiot. Two minutes goes by, I compose myself, and he puts me back in the game. And he puts me in as the goalie. No shit, not making it up. He puts me in as the goalie. Well, I'm going to tell you something. Even at eight, I was able to learn my lesson. I didn't get in front of the damn ball again. And Justin, I think, set some kind of world record for how many goals were scored in a two-minute period. I mean, it was just in the goal. I'd go get it and throw the ball back out. I was having fun. I didn't care about winning that game. I was going and getting the ball out of the goal, and I got to boot it out into the field. I, I was having a good time needless to say I didn't get to play soccer again after that you know just just didn't get to so I didn't get to do anything like the year I was talking about when I was nine and got clothesline on that guy wire on that lightning rod (laughs) you know oh one more thing about my good friend Justin so that that was a Saturday game Monday at school He's telling everybody how he kicked a ball in my face. Uh, my good friend. My good friend, Justin. My dear friend. And he, they're actually, you know what eight-year-olds do, you know? He was sitting there laughing because I cried. And God bless Mandy Reed. She, she's married now. can't remember her last name now, but God bless that girl. She said, hey. She said you you shouldn't laugh at him and she turned to me and she says don't feel bad if i got hit in the face with this soccer ball i would have cried too oh god bless that girl <laughs> and, the, and the thing was they were my friends so they actually you know they stopped like harassing me about it or whatever but you know kids are gonna do that but so nine years old i don't get to do anything and People around here know who my cousin is, Brian Medlin, and he was the first person in our town to go to state something like 30 or 35 years for wrestling when he was in high school. But he had started wrestling when he was 10 or 11 years old, and he was five years older than me, and something got said. And he, he said to my dad, he said, why why don't you have him wrestle you know he you don't have to see to wrestle really and so i got to try that and i was 10 years old my first year and the bad thing was is our hometown did not have a kids club at the time so i had to go to the next town over which is morton illinois i live in washington so i have to go to morton to wrestle Well, there's rivalry between the schools when it comes to football and basketball and stuff like that. So, with the exception of a couple of the parents, I I just wasn't accepted as part of the team. And you can say what you want, but the fact is, when it came time for sectionals and state and all that kind of stuff, every single year, every single year, They would get matching singlets because they just had a variety of singlets for the kids. You know, it wasn't like high school where everybody wore the same one. But typically when it came time for regional sectionals and state, they saw to it everybody that qualified for sectionals and state had the same singlet. Except me. Except me. The only time they offered me one was 8th grade. And by that point, I was like, fuck off. You know, it's like, uh uh-uh, I ain't been part of this team, you know, the whole time, all four years. Now all of a sudden, you want me to have a matching singlet? Uh-uh, I'm wearing the same singlet I've worn all season. But, <laughs> and like I said, there was a couple parents, Bob Burton, Danny Hare, they were great, you know. Dave, he was my age and so he he was wrestling with friends he went to school with but i'll tell you what his older brothers chris and matt two of the biggest sweethearts of men you ever want to meet when i was in seventh and eighth grade after high school practice they they'd hang around and so i'd had because i was good i was actually really good and so i'd have some competition at practice they'd stay and work out with me and just such nice guys i mean i i can't say enough about them but fifth grade 10 years old first year i wrestle before our the practice before our first tournament which was going to be in princeton coach hayes gets us all together and he says for those of you who are wrestling for the first time this is your first year You need to understand something. He said, you can start wrestling at the age of four. So there's a lot of you who are 10 years old and this is your first season. You're going to come up against guys who have been wrestling for six years. You need to understand that if you win one match all season, and that's all you win for the whole season, that is good. If you win two, that's really good. And if you win three... That is extremely impressive. I won the tournament. First tournament I ever wrestled and I won it. And the following practice, Coach Hayes is going over, oh, so-and-so won one match, you know, that's really good, so-and-so won two matches. Goes through everybody except me. Danny Hare and Bob Burton stepped up and said, hey, Nick won his tournament, you know, it so even though I found something I was good at, I I wasn't accepted, you know. Just wasn't accepted into it like everybody else. And, I mean, second tournament, I got second place. I mean, first season, like he said all that crap, first season, I was 27 and 8. You know, I I did good. And it became a problem. It became a problem because... When I got into high school, I was good. Started varsity freshman year. And the greatest compliment I got was still insulting because nobody knew my name. It was just the blind guy. And that's so frustrating when you apply yourself and you're good at something and you're just the blind guy. And I think I've talked about this specific thing before, but I'm going to talk about it again. Best compliment I got was insulting. My aunt was a dental assistant. And there was a cop from Morton, from Morton. My name was in their town paper for four years while I was wrestling kids club. Guy didn't know my name. And you say, well, big deal. But here, here is the deal. He wrestled in high school. He loved it, and he kept up with it. And he'd actually volunteer to work security at the meets and tournaments so he could watch. And it was my sophomore year, so 15 years old. He goes in for his dental appointment, finds out my aunt is Brian Midland's mom. Finds out his dental assistant is Medlin's mom. He knows. He knows Brian. He knows Matt Webster. He knows this guy. He knows that guy. He's running through all these names and how good different people are, like from our town, from Morton, all over the state. Then he he says, "Who's who's that? Who's that blind guy that Washington has?" My aunt plays it off because she wants to, the way he said it. The way she told me, she said, just something in the way he said it. I wanted to know what he really had to say. So I played it off like I had no idea who you were. And she's like, I, I don't know. And he's like, I'll tell you what. He is the meanest son of a bitch I've ever seen step onto a wrestling mat. It's like, really? And you don't know my name. That's the kind of crap that blind people have to deal with. Oh, you're the blind guy. You're you're the blind guy good at wrestling. All the fights I got into and won, like, during junior high and high school and crap like that. Oh, you're that blind kid that's tough as hell. I have a freaking name, you know? I went to Romania for two months, by invitation, from their, one of their coaches, trained with their national Greco-Roman wrestling team. First month at their Olympic training center second month with another one of the national teams in Bucharest and it was just, oh you're the blind guy that went to Romania that's, that's why I threw wrestling away that's why I threw it away because I, one of those coaches in Romania the true best compliment I ever got in wrestling first night of practice in Petesti it's the OTC there don't even know who the guy's name, what his name was, because he didn't introduce himself. He didn't like the fact that I was American, and that I was there. <laughs> so he wouldn't even. He only talked to me twice, and I, I talked about this I think once before, but here we go again. Uh, they wrestle year round there; it's not a seasonal thing. So occasionally they will do something else other than wrestling for a workout to have fun, stuff like that. So you're still getting exercise and getting a workout in. This day, they decided they were going to do some type of tennis. They went down to the tennis courts. They had those wooden benches like they use for basketball teams, you know, on the side of the courts. And they had a row of them across the center of the court, tennis court. Then they had another row stacked on top of that. Then they had a little kickball. And it was basically foot tennis with this kickball. You couldn't touch the ball, but the rest of the tennis rules applied. Obviously, not being able to see, I'm not going to be able to do that. So I stayed up in the wrestling room, and I was just getting a workout in. They had a rope that you climbed hand over hand, pull-up bar, stuff like that. They also had two poles. They were like fireman poles for the same thing, which you say, well, if you can... Go up a rope hand over hand, you ought to be able to go up a pole hand over hand. It's quite a bit different because there's no give to the pole. So it's, it's, it's tougher. So I, I'm getting my workout in and stuff like that. These guys, almost everybody on the team could do backflips. The heavyweight Ovidio, he could do backflips. He couldn't get all the way onto his feet, but he could get over to his knees. And we're talking a heavyweight. The first night of practice was hilarious because in wrestling, you run around the mat and skip and do a karaoke step, all this stuff, getting warmed up. And then you go to everybody lines up at one end of the mat and you do forward somersaults down the mats. Then you come back around, do backward somersaults. And so I'm hanging back so I can try to get an idea of what guys are doing. There was another American kid that had went with me since I couldn't see. That basically helped me out a little bit. And don't get me wrong, he was good, you know. But uh, so he'd be like, okay, this is what they're doing. He's like, all right, they're doing roundoffs. It's like, all right, cool. Do roundoffs down the mat. Come back around. And he's, he's like, uh, they're doing backflips. <laughs> I just laughed and I was like, I'll sit this one out. That ain't going to happen. But I got it stuck in my head. I was going to learn how to do it. So that day when everybody was doing the foot tennis thing, I was working on, I was working out, and then working on my back handsprings, my backflips, and that. And I can't tell you how many times I had landed on my head. And I had gotten so close one time, I just knew the next time I was getting it. And I had so much adrenaline pumping, I was so excited. I actually nailed three back handsprings in a row. I didn't even know that coach that didn't like me was up there, and. He smacked his hands together and was, yeah, very good. And I was just like, oh, shit, he's here. <laughs> I was like, wow, all right. The only other thing he ever said to me was my last day in Petesti, last practice. He came up and grabbed my hand, and he said, you will be world champion. And I was like, well, oh, thanks, man, you know. 16 years old, having this guy that doesn't even like me telling me I was going to be a world champion. That that was pretty motivating. But I'm telling you, when you are just the blind guy and nobody knows your freaking name, it is demoralizing. And you can say, oh, I'm just using it as an excuse or whatever. But no, that's why I threw wrestling away. That's why I threw it away and, you know got into drugs at the time, you know, I mean, thankfully the drug stint only lasted two years, you know, I got clean when I was 20, but I I threw it away, you know, so I think these stories are important because sighted people have no idea what in the hell they're actually doing to somebody that's blind when they're saying this shit. You know, because some things, hey, yeah, some things are impressive that you can do when you're blind. You know, like, wow, I can't believe you can do that. You can't see. You know, I I get that sentiment, but I don't know a single blind person that does something so they can say, hey, I'm blind and I do that. I can do it. You know, I, I didn't cut down trees and log them and chop the wood so somebody could say, oh, wow, you're blind and you did that? You know, that that's not the reasoning. You do it because, for one, it's something that needs to get done, but you work on, you know, you try to be the best at something to be the best. You know, I had a wrestling coach the year... The year I went to Romania was the year that I was at the school for the blind, and that coach hated me. He hated me. And it was because I didn't care about wrestling blind schools. And he wanted me to compete in the USABA, the US Association for Blind Athletes. They had a national freestyle wrestling tournament. And he's like, Yeah, in the spring I'm going to take you to that. And said, no offense, but I'm not going to go. And he said, why? And I was like, well, for one thing, I like Greco, not freestyle. For two, I don't care about being the best blind athlete. I want to be the best, period. You know? I don't want to segregate myself. I don't want to separate myself. I want to be the best, period. And I just started realizing it didn't matter. It did not matter what I did. It didn't matter how good I was. I was going to be segregated. I was going to be separated. I was going to, I was going to be the blind guy. Plain and simple. And that was it. You know? It is it is what it is, I guess. I didn't know how to handle it. And some of you who are blind, if you go back and listen to that first, uh, didn't see that one a common episode that I did. Uh, it's uh labeled as didn't see that one to come in one this one will be two but some of you might be offended at some of the stuff i say about when i because I, i talked about relationships and the first one i really talk about is a girl that i dated from that school when i i was there on my evaluation and went back down there for prom And it was not a good experience for me. It was not fun. And some of you folks may get offended at some of the things I say that upset me at that time. But the thing is, is if you grow up in public schools, if you grow up in the mainstream classes and stuff, you're not in the special ed classes, you're not around other blind people, the object is to fit in. The object is not to stand out. The object is don't do something that makes you look stupid. And the thing is, is if you can't see, you can't do anything about, you, you can't help it if you trip over something or walk into something. But when you're in public school, don't know any other blind people, guess what? You're going to feel stupid. You're going to be embarrassed when you do that kind of crap. So, if you listen to that and listen to me talk about my experience at the School for the Blind, where everybody else finds this stuff hilarious, I was appalled by some of this crap. And it's because I wasn't involved. And the thing is, I've gotten a sense of humor about my eyesight since then. I can make jokes. I can make cracks. You know? And the thing is, is... What a lot of people don't realize, the whole reason I started to make fun of myself when it came to, you know, if I ran into something, it's like, oh, I saw that, or man, I'm walking around like a blind man, you know, making cracks. The fact is, is if you beat people to the punch, it takes the wind out of their sails, so they're not saying it. You know, that was the whole reason I started doing that. It wasn't, when I first started, it wasn't because I had a good sense of humor. It was just to shut other people up. Because I didn't want to hear it. And now, you know, I got buddies, you know, like Danny. uh, He'll say shit to me all the time and I don't care. He's my buddy, you know. We laugh and joke around about anything. I got a lot of buddies like that. The only time it offends me is if I don't know you. You know, I've had issues with that like at a bar or something. Like back in the day, I haven't gone to the bar in I don't know how long, but... Back in the day, I had a couple friends, and we'd sit and give each other a hard time, make jokes and stuff like that, and somebody I didn't even know would say something. It's like, dude, do you know me? Then shut up. You know, it's it's not easy to deal with. And I'm telling you, there's blind people out there who handle it way better than I do. Handle it way better than I do. (laughs) And there's a lot of differences between blind people, though. I think I would have been much better off if I'd have been born totally blind from the beginning. Then I'd have had no choice but to accept the fact. You know, I I, I would have had to accept it. What else are you going to do? But having a deteriorating eye disease where it takes a huge dive when you're young and keeps getting worse and worse, you fight it. You know, and then there's people who have gotten into their adulthood and then gotten a detached retina or gotten in a car wreck or something like that. And, you know, some of those people have an amazing sense of humor about it. But it's, you know, they also got to go do a lot of the things that, say, I wasn't able to go do. You know, so they got to have a lot of experiences that I never got to, have. and don't get me wrong, I'm not whining because guess what, I've got, I've, I've done a lot more than what most sighted people have done, and as far as like getting to go to another country and live for two months when I was 16, you know, I went bull riding when I was 16 the summer before I went to Romania. I've done, a, I've done a lot of stuff, you know, that a lot of sighted people can't claim they've done, you know, so it's. I don't know, part of me feels like I'm rambling and running in circles, and maybe I am, but it's, people don't always stop and think about what they're saying to other people. And I guess that's the main thing. People don't stop and think about it. And, you know, that's, one of the things I got to watch myself on because there's certain things that impress me, period. I think carpentry is an impressive skill. You know, and one of the guys I talked to earlier about coming on and talking, he's a carpenter. But I guarantee you, you know, it's, he's got, a, he, he's developed a style that allows him to be able to do it. It's something he's worked hard at because I guarantee you it's something he loves doing or he wouldn't do it, you know. And to a certain extent, in a way, it's impressive to be blind and be a carpenter. But in another sense, it's not because it's something he worked at and developed a skill of, you know. And I don't know if I'm explaining that right, but, you know, it's... There's still certain things that blind people can do that I can't that's pretty amazing to me. The skill alone's amazing much less the fact that they can't see and they're doing it. So we can, we can do that to each other and not realize it. You know? I've had other blind people say I don't know how you were so good at wrestling. You know, I I had a hard time with it. So it's... It is what it is, but I guess that's uh really all I'm gonna talk about with that this time. uh like I said, I wanted to do this to give people an idea. It's not just look at me and what I can do. It is impressive. I want to hear about it, and I know quite a few sighted people that listen to this that are gonna that feel the same way they they want to hear about the stuff, but like I said with this episode specifically, it's, you know, crap that I had to go through and deal with and that was hard for me to accept. It was hard for me to accept, much less, you know, I didn't understand it. So, you know, it's something you can't really expect other people to understand, like when you're going to school and kids are kids, you know. I don't begrudge, I don't have hard feelings towards one person from high school that said crap to me, you know, that made fun of me or something. And I mean, I guess part of that can be because most of the time I just beat the hell out of them and that was that. But either way, even if I didn't, you know, because kids are kids. They're not adults. But I think that this kind of stuff's also good so sighted people can start getting an idea you know it's one of those things i've joked about too and i even made a comment in our group our blind group about you know if i'm at a restaurant and i ask about if they have a specific item or whatever it never fails waitress waiter don't matter they start talking really loud and really slow like i'm mentally retarded and deaf instead of blind you know people have these certain reactions to certain disabilities and that's that's what i that's what's kind of ridiculous to me <laughs> you know stuff like that so point this stuff out i'm going to quit rambling now but you know that's part of it tell me the great crap but people need to hear about what we've had to go through too because it's not easy plain and simple it's not easy nobody has an easy life i guess but there's certain obstacles that we have to get over that other people don't. So, you know, it is what it is. So, um, questions, comments, concerns, hit me up. Uh, You can hit me up on Messenger if you're in the blind group or if you prefer email. Uh, It's littlemb6580 at gmail.com. That's L I T T L E, as in Mike, B as in Bravo, 6580 at gmail.com. Until next time, y'all take care.